Welcome to this week's podcast from Reality Christian Fellowship. We pray this message will equip and inspire you to love God, love one another, and love our community. For more information or to find out what's happening at Reality, check out our website at realitychurch.org.au or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. All right. The events of Palm Sunday can be found in Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11, Mark 11, 1 to 11, Luke 19, 28 to 44, and John 12, 9 to 19. Many churches celebrate Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter. In our Pentecostal Protestant tradition, we don't have many of the beautiful traditions that other mainline churches have, I believe. There are so many beautiful... I used to think they were boring, but I've learned to understand the beauty that is within their spiritual traditions. But understanding the significance of Palm Sunday and Holy Week really is a must for every believer. Regardless of where you're at in your faith. And it is something that we should be taking seriously. And making time for. And careful consideration. And reflection. Trying to understand and walk through the Passion Week with God. I believe that every believer should be more than any other time of the year, make more time for prayer, meditation, reading the scriptures, and church. So what is Palm Sunday? Let's read Matthew 21, 1 to 11. Again. Because we read it for communion. Starting at verse 21, at verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people all around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. 
Who is this? They asked. And the crowds replied, it is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. But while this is a triumphal entry, it it is also Jesus' first step towards his death. Lord, I just pray again, Lord, as we unpack this scripture, that you would just grab hold of our hearts and give us your understanding. So when unpacking or trying to understand or study the scriptures or any passage of scripture, it is important to look at what became before the text and also what comes after the text. So what came before Palm Sunday? Well, that depends on what gospel you are reading the Palm Sunday narrative from. Matthew, Mark and Luke's accounts, they're all very similar. The last um, significant event that was recorded was the feeding of the 5,000, the transfiguration, followed by deliverance of a demon of a boy, accompanied with heaps of teaching on the kingdom of God. If we read John's account, we actually get a bit more of a picture of what happened before Jesus enters Jerusalem again. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This is very significant as it helps us understand why the crowds were in such an uproar about Jesus. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem perched on a colt, it was the first time since raising raising Lazarus from the dead that he had shown his face in the city. Jesus had become somewhat of a celebrity among the people who have heard of the miraculous raising of Lazarus from the dead. And they wanted to see him and treat him like a king. But Jesus wasn't arriving to be their king on account of Lazarus. The story of Lazarus would have had the religious leaders in even more of an uproar and determined to put an end to his life, which he knew. Jesus' glory would be greater than that of a local king. We also need to understand that it was coming close to the time to celebrate Passover. So heaps of people were making their pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this yearly event. So what happens after Jesus enters Jerusalem? Where is the first place that Jesus goes? Jesus enters the temple. What does he do in the temple? He throws out the money changers and turns the tables and said this is a temple, that this temple is a place of prayer and worship for all nations, not a place to come and make money. Jesus, even as young as 12 years old, was in the temple listening, learning and asking questions. Do you remember at that time of the story of Jesus um, going missing for three days after Passover? And Jesus saying to Mary and Joseph, why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And that's in Luke 2, 49. So we read and understand that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to not only celebrate the Passover as he has done every other year, 
but for him to become the final Passover sacrifice, ending sin's hold on humanity and tearing the veil that has caused separation between mankind and God. And now after Jesus entered Jerusalem, we understand that God was bringing order and cleansing to the temple, purifying what was once holy but had been made into a business and a den of thieves. Now let's head back to the first part of Matthew's account of Palm Sunday. We can see that um, that once Jesus and the disciples arrived at Bethpage, Jesus sent two disciples ahead um, up to the town to go and get some donkeys. So Matthew 21.4 tells us this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying, say to the daughter of Zion, so Zion is the land of Israel, the city of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a beast of burden. This prophecy was cited from Zechariah 9.9 and Isaiah 62.11. So what else can we get from this first part of Scripture? So why a donkey or a donkey's colt? In ancient times when a king, noble steed, his horse. But if a king was coming in peace, then he would be riding on a donkey or a donkey's colt. Jesus was establishing his kingship, yes. But he was also announcing that he was bringing peace back to Israel. Jesus was announcing the coming of the kingdom of God. See, in 586, before common era, the glory of the Lord had left the temple. The Babylonians had come and sacked Jerusalem, destroying the temple and exiled many of the Jewish people from their homeland. It wasn't until 33, common era, that Palm Sunday, that Jesus was bringing the glory of the Lord into Jerusalem, back into the temple. Jesus was announcing that he was the king of the Jews and was bringing peace. It just didn't look the way they thought it was going to look. The people of God, they wanted Jesus to bring a sword of freedom because they were oppressed by the Romans. But Jesus wasn't coming with a sword And a horse, but coming in peace with a donkey to lay down his life for you and for me. Can you think of another time in scripture where Jesus is riding on a horse? We read about it in Revelation, in Revelation 19, 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and his head there was many crowns. A name was written on him that no one could understand except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. 
The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure linen followed him on a white horse on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a winepress. On his robe at his thigh was written the title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. It's Revelation nineteen eleven to 16. It was also given and a custom of ancient times that no one was allowed to ride the horse of a king. The same would apply for a donkey that was used by a king. That is why Mark and Luke tell us in their account that no one had ridden the donkey that Jesus had rode. In verse 8, it says, Most of the crowd sped their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the road. Um, Jesus, uh, there was cloaks and palm branches. They carry significance. Uh, spreading garments uh, out for someone was more than just chivalry. It was connected with Christ's triumphant entry. In, it was a show of respect and honour. Spreading garments out before someone was an act of submission only paid to royalty. There is only one other account recorded in the Bible that talks about spreading out of cloaks. And that can be found in 2 Kings 9 verse 13. This was done for King Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat. And the only other mention of palm branches is in Revelation 7 verses 9 to 10. That says, after this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people language. Standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white and held palm branches in their hands. In verse 9, Jesus was in the center of the procession and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God for the Son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. So the crowds were shouting praises to Jesus. Praises to the son of David. So what is the significance of people shouting out praises to the son of David? When Jesus comes again in his second coming, Jesus will come and sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem and rule and reign as the king of every nation tribe and tongue on earth. King David was also known as a man after God's own heart. You can read Acts 13 verse 22. God made promises to David in 2 Samuel 7 verses 12 to 16. He made the promises that David's seed would be set upon the throne that it would happen after David's death. That God would establish his kingdom forever through David. 
And that the one who comes would build God's house. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, It's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. I love how Matthew's account really tells us that the city was in an uproar and that they were asking each other, Who is this? Who are you? You remember that? Who is this? The other gospel accounts don't explain this. So they named Jesus by calling him a prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Remember in past accounts that they say that nothing good can ever come from Nazareth. But here they are saying, he's a prophet that comes from Nazareth. And they're all praising him. Got to love the faculty of humankind, the faculty of humans and our finite understanding. Jesus was, was a celebrity on Palm Sunday, and less than a week later, they were going to be crying out for blood and wanting to crucify him. God asks us to focus on the things that are eternal not the things that perish and fade away. Not to focus on the praise of man because it is fleeting and it will pass. The second part of verse 11 says, but while this is a triumphant entry, it is also Jesus' first step towards his death. And so while Jesus was being celebrated on this day 2,000 years ago, It was also a very sober moment for Jesus' life and ministry. It was also his first step towards a painful death that he had to endure on the cross. In Luke's account, as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today, this is in Luke's Luke 19 How I wish today that you that all of that sorry how I wish today that you of all people would understand the way of peace but it is too late and peace is hidden from your eyes Luke 19:42 to 43 So for me in summing up Palm Sunday Palm Sunday is about Jesus stepping into the first day of the heaviest week and part of Jesus' human life here on earth. Jesus knew what was about to happen and what he was about to suffer. But regardless of this, Jesus said to his heavenly Father, Send me. Jesus said, regardless of all the pain and the weight of sin placed upon me, send me. I want them to know you, Heavenly Father. I want them to be in relationship with you just as I am with you. Send me. 
We have all known or come across some kind of weight or level of betrayal in our lives. And we know that wars have been won and lost by the betrayal of a so-called fellow country man or woman doing the wrong thing against their own country or family for money or influence or power. But Jesus Christ was stepping into the biggest betrayal story in the history of humanity. His beloved creation. His beloved children. His beloved chosen people. Even his chosen disciple Judas. Were all going to betray him. And sentence him to one of the most excruciating painful deaths a person could ever experience. And he did it all and went through it all for you and for me. Jesus, who knew no sin, was perfect. He was a spotless lamb clothed in white, the perfect and final sacrifice that could defeat sin and death's reign forever. The weight of his last week must have been so heavy, so heavy in fact that he would sweat blood. I know the weight of being a pastor and the cost of ministry is heavy for me and my family. But I can't even begin to imagine the weight of what Jesus had to go through and endure. So what does Palm Sunday mean to you? What does it really mean to you? What does this Passion Week mean to you? I would encourage you all to take some time today. And this week to reflect on what it really means to you personally. Use this holiday time not to go everywhere and to be everywhere and be running at 100%. But to stop, to unwind, reflect and earnestly seek him who is worth seeking. He is worth setting time aside to seek. This year is flying by so fast. I can't believe Easter's already here. And I don't know what your personal time with God looks like. But can I encourage you to make more time than you would normally make? And be intentional and intimate with a loving God that did everything just so that you could be saved and know the creator of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He wants to know you. He wants you. His desire is for you. What is your desire? Is your desire for him? I feel really challenged this Easter. 
to not fall into the trap of the way that everyone is going, the, the busyness, the like, yes, it's important to catch up with family and to have those connections, but we get so busy tied up in the celebrations at Christmas and Easter that we that we just don't take that time to step back and pursue him who is so honestly worth pursuing. You know, as a family, you know, we're going to, you know, have a devotion time together this week. And and as um, Beck and myself, we're actually going to do a live um, Facebook um, just going through the Passion Week, just for a couple of minutes, but we're gonna we've committed to do that every day, just to encourage everyone in their faith and to encourage us in our faith as we walk through Passion Week this week. And I just encourage you to to do the same, whatever that looks like for you. And it's not about condemnation, but it's about God is moving and He is doing things. And he wants you to be a part of that. And we can't see those things if we're busy with other things. We've got to make room for him. We've got to make him a priority. Let's just pray. Lord, I just thank you that you are such a loving God. And I thank you for everything that you've done. For the sacrifices that you've made. That you laid down your life. You laid aside your desires. But you laid your whole life down. To serve. To love others. Even when you were tired and weary. You laid it down and you made time for people. You made time for God. I just thank you and I praise you. Move in our hearts and in our minds. I thank you that you know the beginning from the end. And that you said all of us are worth dying for. Your love for us is so perfect, so pure and without hooks, Lord. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We pray it challenged and encouraged you to keep growing in your walk with God. For more information and to find out what's happening at Reality, check out our website, realitychurch.org.au or find us on Facebook. Facebook.